Computer, initialize Holosuite. Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host for this edition of RTR, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Andrew. Or are you the silver blood copy of Andrew? Uh, you know, I don't know which one I am, but I, I noticed that my chair is actually sinking a little bit, uh, you know, oh. just like a centimeter every uh, couple of seconds, so... Uh... Yeah, I better get out of here soon, otherwise I might not have enough energy to uh, pull myself out of it. Yes, well, we'll have to make this a quick episode then. But yeah, um, no, I'm doing all right. I uh, It's fun to be back with Voyager. Uh, I always kind of like Voyager. This is another uh, another parlay into it, so... Yeah, we've had a lot of Voyager episodes so far, but uh, nothing wrong with that. No? I mean, yeah, that's. I think that it's uh, as good as any of the other series, so... Uh, yeah, we've had a, actually we had a couple back to back. No, it's been a little bit, but um, it's fun to be back in the Delta Quadrant. Indeed. So uh, why don't we start by uh, going back to the end of the last uh, podcast and uh, talk about how I did with my recall of the uh, episode that we'll be looking at. So you know what? I feel like this is actually one of the the rare times where um, you pretty much got every piece of it. Um, there wasn't a massive uh, B-plot in this particular episode, so I feel like it was a good opportunity to really get all of the pieces. I just kind of quickly jotted down some of the things that you um, had mentioned. So you had that it was a demon planet and that it was demon class. That was correct. You had that they were running low, low on energy uh, or materials. That was correct. Um, you said that they landed the ship. That was correct. Um, you said that there was a strange compound or like some sort of evil liquid or something like that, which was true. It was silver uh, blood or mercury or something like that. Uh, you said that uh, Kim and Paris went off on their own and that they like either died or like somehow fell ill and then were later duplicated. That was true. Uh, you said that the duplicated people could breathe the atmosphere. That was true. And you got the fact that they convince the Voyager crew to duplicate everybody, and then they fly fly away. The original crew flies away, and the duplicated crew stays behind to create their own civilization. That, my friend, is a 5 out of 5. And this week we are looking at 5 out of 5 demon planets. So that's a 5 out of 5 demon planets. Well done. Well, that's... that's uh... This episode obviously made a pretty big impression on me because I uh, remembered uh, quite a bit of it. And you know what? Last time we had Voyager episode, I believe that you had a 5 out of 5 that time as well. Jeez, I, I have an affinity for Voyager, it seems. That is very, very true. Yeah, last time was uh, Ashes to Ashes. And you got 5 out of 5 on that one, 5 out of 5 on this one. I guess Voyager is a bit of your jam. So far, anyways. Yeah, so far so good. Well, well done. We'll see how it uh, goes in the future. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Star Trek Voyager this week. The episode is called Demon. It's from the fourth season, episode 24, so pretty close to the end of season four. 
It originally aired on May 6, 1998. It has only one single guest star, Alexander Enberg as Ensign Vorick. It was written by Kenneth Biller, and it was based on a story by uh, Andre Bormanis, and it was directed by Anson Williams. So in case you didn't get a chance to watch it, we'll give you a quick uh, synopsis uh, so you are, at least have some idea of what uh, we're talking about here. The lights are out. Voyager is raining dangerously low on deuterium, forcing the crew to put the ship in grey mode to conserve as much power as possible. Tuvok corrals the crew into tightly packed quarters, much to the chagrin of Neelix, who is unable to take his bedding with him because it is deemed non-essential. Seven refuses to leave Astrometrics despite Chakotay's insistence, but just in the nick of time she finds a planet that appears to be rich in deuterium, but there is a catch. It is a demon-class planet, which makes it completely inhospitable to human life. Voyager tries beaming up some of the deuterium, and the transporter is rendered inoperable. Kim and Paris volunteer to brave the demon planet and head down in a shuttle. They barely make it to the surface of the planet and begin to look for the source of the deuterium. They find a pool of metallic liquid, which uh, seems to be the source of the deuterium, and while Paris wanders off to look for more, Kim falls into the pool and Paris is able to pull him out. But both of their spacesuits spring a leak and they fall unconscious to the ground. After Voyager is unable to locate the away team, Janeway decides to land the ship on the planet. The ascent results in some damage to the ship, and while repairs are underway, Chakotay leads another away team to find Paris and Kim. They find the shuttle, and shortly after, Chakotay slips on a ledge and is pulled up by Tom Paris without his spacesuit. They also find Kim's sand spacesuit and bring them back to the ship. Paris and Kim are unable to breathe the air and have to stay in sick bay in a containment field filled with the demon planet's atmosphere. Janeway and Tories study the metallic liquid and discover that it can copy living things it comes into contact with, which leads Janeway to conclude that Kim and Paris are copies. Another away team goes to the surface and finds Kim and Paris in their spacesuits, but unconscious, uh, but they are still alive. Kim's copy refuses to return to the ship and runs off. A pool of the metallic liquid forms under Voyager, preventing them from leaving the planet. Kim's copy returns to the ship and explains that the metallic fluid, the silver blood, is alive, but had never experienced sentience until it came into contact with Ensign Kim. Kim's copy explains that the fluid wishes to copy the entire crew and populate the planet. Janeway agrees to provide DNA samples of the entire crew in exchange for a supply of deuterium. The trade is completed, and Voyager takes off from the planet with the crew's copies looking on from the surface. Okay, let's uh, start by each of us uh, giving a quick uh, impression of uh, what we thought of the episode. Uh, Andrew, why don't you uh, go ahead? Uh, I think this one is okay. I, uh, I watched it a couple of times, just because I wanted to be good and ready for the podcast and all. And... I feel like there's lots of good pieces, but I don't know if it all comes together as a whole. Um, I think that there could have maybe been something a little bit more exciting, a little bit more payoff. I kind of felt like, uh, you know, the demon planet, they sold it to be so hospitable and stuff, but it really doesn't ever actually kills anybody or anything like that. Like, I almost kind of wish that they had made it a little bit more foreboding or something and the fact they land the ship there and stuff like that too makes me feel like it was never 
never really felt like it got to the same level of danger as some other episodes of Voyager. So I think it's okay. Um, I kind of remember watching this the first time, and I think that the thing that sits out for me is just the fact that, like, I am pretty sure they never do another Demon Planet in all of the... Um, in all of the different series, which is either number one, like it's a waste of the demon planet idea. And that's maybe a good idea to maybe do another episode where they go to a demon planet or people just kind of forgot about this one. And they kind of forgot that that was like a thing. Cause I feel like it's a great idea. It's awesome. The idea have a, a planet that's not hospitable. Cause usually it's an M class planet where they just go down. It's just like earth. Uh, but the idea of a, a planet that's really, really super dangerous is a great idea uh, I kind of wish they had reused it or had done it more. I feel like it couldn't make for a good story trajectory. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I mean, it's not a bad episode. Um, the the there there are some interesting concepts. I kind of like this whole like aliens, this like alien fluid thing that can like change its physiology and copy other life forms. I thought that was pretty cool, and I, I like the the demon planet. Um, like it wasn't just inhospitable, but it was like you like set foot in this without a spacesuit, like you're you're just gonna like liquefy mm-hmm. within minutes. Like it was pretty, it was pretty intense. Just how uh, how inhospitable this uh, demon planet was. Um, it, it, I mean, the way they described it, it sort of lived up to its name. Um, as far as the first time I saw it, um, I don't know if it was necessary. It, it was possibly during the original run of the series but i'm not 100 percent sure i mean ds9 was in its heyday at this point so i may have like missed it the first time around or i, I probably would have seen it pretty soon afterwards um i mean i would say it was, it was pretty memorable i mean it obviously made an impression on me because i was able to to recall a lot of things from it mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean i, I thought it's it was it was you know it was pretty decent um a decent episode now the um, there's there's a very interesting uh, develop like story about how this was developed. Um, there there was an original uh, idea that was sort of floated around for I, I I read that it was floated around for almost a year before they finally got around to fully developing it. Um, the original idea had a uh, a crew of Voyager copies reach Earth and then engage in this like invasion or, or takeover of earth so like the the like the idea for the opening scene would be that like voyager returns and there's all this fanfare there's fireworks and all this crazy stuff and then um janeway would reunite with her um her love interest and then like the very last thing before going to commercial she just breaks his neck so um i mean that's very different than what we ended up with I kind of wonder why they didn't do that. Like that just that little teaser makes it sound like a better episode than the one we got. And I wonder why they chose not to do it. I kind of feel like it maybe was probably like a cost thing. Like it was going to be cost a lot to, but then not really. It's on earth. Makes it seem like it would be easy. Yeah, I mean, from what I read, it, it it was an idea that someone had, but they couldn't really fully develop it to a full episode or something like that. And they they, right. they sort of they would come back to it for a bit, and they'd be like, ah, we can't we can't make it into an episode. They would leave it. They'd come back to it. They leave it. They'd come back to it. And eventually, I think the, what the what sort of got them going to get this into an episode was that someone came up with the idea for a of a of a demon planet. Of like, oh, let's let's have them visit this planet that's just like harsh and inhospitable, 
And it's like, okay, but what else are we going to do? And then they sort of, someone, I guess, came back to that right. other idea and said, well, why don't we sort of combine them and, and make some, and that's how we got to uh, Demon, the episode. I kind of feel like this sounds like it's better as two separate ideas and two separate episodes. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you're just going to visit a really inhospitable planet, though, there has to be some reason for it, because I feel like they would probably avoid visiting a planet like that unless they had no choice well that's kind of what happens right like it yeah. happens in the sense that it's just so dangerous but they have no they're going to either run out of gas or they're going to go to this planet to try to get it mm -hmm. i kind of feel like if they didn't do the copy thing would it really have changed this episode at all well i'm sure they could have found some other obstacle or problem for them to solve yeah, so. and you know what? Maybe this is kind of like a top. This is me saying it in 2018 versus in 1998, but maybe this episode would be better. You go to a hospital planet and somebody just dies. And so the episode is about the casualties of long distance deep space exploration. And sometimes you're going to have to go and put yourself in a situation where you could lose a crew member or multiple members but you have to do it for the greater good. I feel like that's more of a story than like, they don't even really get into the idea of copying the people as being anything more than just like, Oh, we'll go do a vote. And then the next thing you see them, they're all copied. <laughs> like, did everybody do it? Did anybody have reservations about it? Like mm -hmm. there is something to that about, you know, whether people would want to be copied or not, but they don't even discuss it. It's just like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And off they go. Yeah, that, that's something I was going to have us uh, talk about a little bit later on. Right. Um, now, this is the first time that we see a planet that's, like, outright hostile towards humans. Um, I mean, like we said, the atmosphere is just so toxic. Like, you didn't they say that you would liquefy or, like, just... Yeah, they, 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 that, that, and that's my biggest problem with the episode is, is that we don't really get to see any of the, the really nasty parts of the planet. We only really are told that it's so bad. Right, yeah. I kind of feel like this was an opportunity for a red shirt to get killed. Yeah. All right, let's jump right into this uh, here. So the ship is running dangerously low on deuterium, as we see at the very beginning, and they go into uh, gray mode to conserve power. Uh, now, this is, I believe, the first time we have seen gray mode in an episode um it, do you think it's surprising we don't see it more often well there was those episodes at the beginning of voyager where they were remember they were all kind of on food rations and the hollow sweet privileges were kept to a minimum like basically just for like exercise purposes and for like uh you know very limited amounts just to kind of psychologically be able to get through the process it almost makes me wonder as, like, why wouldn't you just be in gray mode all the time back then if it was a thing? Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be sort of one thing that I would wonder about. Right. So I, I think that, I mean, it's one of those things where I think that it just kind of is, um, it makes sense that there would be kind of like a low power uh, option. I feel like in Discovery, they kind of do that where, like, if you're in the halls, only the lights come on when you're walking through it. Um, like just to save energy and stuff like that. So that's something obviously they've thought about in the past, um, but or in the future, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Gray mode. I don't like when they kind of just do a one-off, which is kind of the same problem that I'm going to eventually have here with the demon planet. Is like if you only see it once, I don't love it. They do actually do it one other time. The gray mode or the demon planet. The gray mode. Oh, okay. Yeah, running out of energy kind of idea again. 
Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe this is it, right? It's Voyager, so there has to be like they're they're way more likely to run out of resources. There's no star bases, there's no but no help, no nothing, right? So Yeah, well that was sort of the thing that I was gonna say is like, you know, the other series take place well within the range of the Federation. So I mean it doesn't really surprise me that we don't have never seen it before. True, very true. So. Uh now they're looking for deuterium. Do you know what deuterium is? Ooh, I know it's real. Yep. Um I'm not a physicist or a chemist, so I don't know. But so, I know that it's real. Yes. Well, that's good. So deuterium is um, basically just hydrogen that has one proton, one neutron, so it's slightly heavier. Uh, it's used in fission reactions, which makes sense, I suppose, because the warp drive runs on a fission, like you need fission to start it, maybe, or... It's an it's an it's a matter antimatter reaction, but I'm assuming that there's like a nuclear fission aspect of it. Yeah, or it could be a way to power like the electrical systems on the ship. Maybe, yeah. I own the Star Trek tech manual, but <laughs> you're not like Scotty. You don't like just thanks, pouring a nice glass of scotch and just sitting down reading the technical manuals. <laughs> That's not typically how I spend my uh, Friday nights. You know? uh, but why not make this trilithium? Who knows. Anyway, so deuterium is actually quite rare on Earth. It does exist, and you can find it, but it's like really in small amounts. Mm. Uh, probably because we're not living on a demon planet. That's right. Otherwise, we'd have tons of it. There'd be pools of it everywhere. Um, so uh, Paris and Kim uh, take a shuttle down to the planet to uh, look at for um, the, the deuterium that they detect from orbit. Now, were you surprised that we end up with, with those two going to the planet? So there's kind of this really... A really kind of a forced dialogue that happens before they decide to go. And Harry's talking about how he has all this experience now, and you know, he's not a rookie, and he's not an, well, he still is an ensign, he never gets out of it, but uh, he says that he doesn't feel like, you know, his ideas are no longer not valid and all that kind of stuff. And so he's like going to take the initiative, and then there's all these kind of really bad jokes that they throw back and forth, and Paris eventually um, ends up kind of getting goaded into going or just kind of being voluntold to go. And I think that, like, maybe this was way funnier back in the late 90s, but it was not really landing with me. Like, there was a, uh, and this is maybe jumping a little bit too far ahead, but. Like, I almost kind of feel like Paris was doing, like, the Roger Moore thing, you know? We're running out of juice, we're, we're going to be drifting, and we're just going to die in space. And he's, like, making all the, like, these quips every two seconds. And there's, like, a classic, classic Roger Moore moment where um, they're in the spacesuits, and they've got, like, a minute left. And he goes, we've only got a minute worth of air, like, conserve your energy, like, speak only when necessary. And then he makes, like, about three or four zingers before he eventually runs out of juice and that like exact same thing happens in for your eyes only where roger moore says only use your only use your air you know, only speak when necessary and then he's just zinger 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 and i get flashed back to that when uh paris said it in this episode so um you gotta get your zingers in i guess so but like wouldn't you think that you'd be a little bit more like especially when they're like they're dying and he's still making jokes. Like I don't, I didn't get that at all personally. But um, what did you think of that part? Well, I, I um, as far as am I surprised that it was them? Not really, given how the episode had kind of gone. Like Paris is obviously going to be a choice because he's the best pilot. That is true. But um, 
Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I, we, I, I thought the banter between them was actually really good. Oh, okay. Do tell. You know, they sort of have this friendship that evolves over the course of the show. And I mean, at this point, we're about, we're a little more than halfway through. And, yeah, about halfway. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, you know, and it was one thing that sort of grew over the course of the show. And I thought it was actually pretty good. I'm not saying that the, that their banter isn't a good thing. I just didn't think that the lines and the jokes were really that. You didn't like the bicycle in the mess hall uh, thing. Yeah, but they bring it back <laughs> like two or three times. Um, I, you know what? I think that the running theme for me throughout this episode is going to be, and I'm just going to probably keep saying it again and again. So maybe I'll just like just get it off my chest right now. Is that the demon planet was never taken to be very super serious. Well, they I, say about it in the beginning, oh, you'll melt, your face will boil off, and you'll be dead within seconds and stuff like that. And then even when they're literally dying, they're they're out of air, the, they're done. They're still making jokes, and it's it, it, they never really took it super seriously. And then they land the ship, even though it goes against all logic, and like it puts the whole crew in danger. Stuff. It, it was never really made to seem like a serious threat. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Anyways... Let's uh, let's move on to the whole uh, Neelix uh, versus the Doctor uh, bit. So, so oh yeah, Tuvok, that was kind of like a little bit of a B plot, right? Yeah. So so Tuvok is like hurting the crew, like they're all like you know tripling or whatever up in the in the quarters, so they can shut down a bunch of the decks and conserve power. And so Neelix, he's like hurting Neelix to this new place where he has to go to sleep, and Neelix is all like, oh, I want to take my blanket with me. Oh, I want to take my bedtime story book with me and all this stuff. And Tuvok's like, nope, those are non-essential items, Mr. Neelix. You will have to leave them here. And he's all like, oh, but now I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm going to get a rash from the Starfleet sheets and all that <laughs> stuff. And Tuvok's like, well, I suggest you go to sickbay and get a whatever. And Neelix is like, oh, I have an idea. And right. he, him and a, like, this band of squatters like, you know, takes over... Um, sick bay or well at first they, they just sort of waltz in and the doctor's like what are you doing you can't sleep here and uh yeah you know it was i guess that is as close to a b plot as we get um, yeah it was pretty funny like it wasn't really that many times that they went back but it was kind of just one of i think it was again like i almost feel like another episode this could have been like a whole thing where everybody's having to bunk up and it's causing frustrations and stuff they threaten to turn the doctor off because he's not partake like he's not being helpful enough and stuff i don't know if i want to even sleep on those sick bed beds they look so uncomfortable like you get that little silver sheet that looks like it's not even warm yeah it's i, I mean it was pretty much a comic relief thing but yeah I, I i didn't really see like there was much point aside from that i mean it didn't really i think that it would have been perfect again if it, if the demon planet was way scarier the juxtaposition between like the real dangers on the outside and some of the comic relief stuff that was happening on the inside would have been a better fit, right? But mm -hmm. then when you have Paris joking and goofing around, this didn't seem as funny because it was just kind of like a side piece, you know? I, I, I love this. The one part that I really did like, though, was when uh, the doctor's like singing while they're trying to sleep right. and Neelix is like, oh, I have an idea. Why don't we have a sing-along? Yeah. And he like rings off all these really annoying sounding like songs that he knows and the doctor's finally just like, all right, fine, you win. Right, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was... Uh... And this is before the doctor can leave sickbay, right? This is before uh, the Halloween emitter. I feel like he would have had the Halloween... I think that was like middle of season three. when he That's what I kind of was thinking but then I was like, why doesn't he just leave? Because he says that this is his home, right? I don't know. 
Um, now, as you mentioned, Janeway, um, she decides to land the ship because they can't find the away team. They're like, oh, we can't find their life signs. They must be gone. We better, we can't take another, send another shuttle down or we might lose the other shuttle. So she decides to land the ship. Uh, is this something that you think Voyager maybe went to too often or just right? Well, you know what, Matt? That's interesting that you brought that up because that's my trivia question for today. How many times did they land the ship? And can you name the episodes in which they did it? Oh, boy. Or would you, would you rather me tell you when, how many times, and then you can try to guess uh, that? I don't know if I have a shot at this one just because it's, it, it's, it, it's done so randomly. I mean, it's not like... TNG with the saucer separating, where it's We're like special. all in the first season except for one time. And so generations they do it. Yeah, so I don't know. I think I would. I think I would sit here for fifteen minutes and probably still not be able to get them all. All right. Well, if I told you that it happens five times and Demon is one of them, could you take a ballpark guess at the other four? I know the ship is landed in basics, but I don't know if that counts uh, yep. because it was the Kazon who landed it. No, that one is one of them, so that okay. means there's three left. Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, there's an episode that's actually we talked about last week. Last week? Yep. Hmm. I forget why we were talking about it, but it's from the first season, maybe the beginning of second season. Oh, it was. Uh, they did land in the 37th. The 37th, That's the yeah. first time. That's the first time they landed. Yeah, I don't remember why we were talking about that now, but um, and then there's two other ones which I don't really remember at all. Do you want to take a guess or not? I think we've. I, I don't want to. You're not going to get them. Yeah. yeah. So they landed in Dragon's Teeth uh, to avoid attack, and they landed in Nightingale um, to do some maintenance on the warp drive, and that was it. The five times I feel like in my memory they did it all the time, but five times in seven seasons, eh? That's that's actually surprising. Yeah. I, I would have thought it would have been more than that. Dragon's Teeth, I do remember, actually. Yeah. I think that... Um, and do actually, yeah, Nightingale, I remember that episode, too. But yes... Um, I guess the other one would be Voyage Home. They do land the Bird of Prey. <laughs> right? <laughs> you land it twice. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know, though. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool because... Um, they make a very big point to make sure that everybody knows, like, Voyager is the newest ship in the line. It has, like, it's a bit smaller, so it makes more sense that it can land. Yep. Um, whereas the capital ships don't land, like, they are either in orbit or they're crashed. Um, and so I kind of like that Voyager has some of these little intricacies that makes it different. The bio cells and the landing and all that kind of stuff. It makes it just that little bit unique that... Um, I actually don't mind it. Um, this time, I think it's probably the, maybe the worst one or, or the, 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 mm. the dumbest reason to do it. Just because, again, yeah. the risk of it, right? It doesn't make a whole ton of sense. All right. Um, now, the away team goes to look for Paris and Kim. So that's um, Chakotay and Seven of Nine um, after they land the ship. And they find the metallic fluid. Um, now, when they found it, were you expecting anything, like, to happen with the pool? Because earlier, Kim said that he felt that he was, like, drawn to it and, like, mm -hmm. pulled inside of it earlier. So do you think something would happen to Chakotay nope. 7? 
No. Nope. Other than you had told me that there was a duplication thing. So that, that was like, I was like, oh, okay, obviously this fluid is going to do it. Um, I kind of had like a bit of a skin of evil feel. Remember the black monster that kills Tasha Yar? Yeah. But it was like a black pool. And I think yep. Riker falls into it. Yes. Um, I feel like when Harry falls in, that was very similar to that scene almost. Um, the big difference I would say to that is we didn't actually see him fall in. So right. it's like implied that maybe he, maybe something happened, but you don't really know. That's true. And like, yeah. just so that we're clear, if you and I ever go to like a demon planet and we're searching around, like we're not splitting up. That <laughs> <laughs> seemed like the dumbest possible thing to do, but um, yeah, that's we're definitely not splitting up. That's like horror movies one on one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess I wouldn't have been surprised if something had happened. Um, because there was, I mean, it definitely seemed to be kind of the key to some of the strange things that were happening. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it wasn't really surprising that nothing happened. But that the other thing about it too is, is that they kind of established that Paris is, like he was kind of acting so jokey that when he shows up without the space suit on, I didn't know whether it was like a duplicate Paris who's a completely different, like his personality was seemed seemed different but the same for this particular episode and it was just that whole kind of piece was very confusing to me basically um especially since i didn't know the final payoff really um so i i felt it'd be a bit confusing i did on your rewatch of it did you feel the same way or did this make perfect sense yeah i mean that was the next thing i was going to go to was like the shocking reveal of like paris like chakotay sort of like trips on the ledge or whatever he's like hanging on for dear life and then paris shows up he's got no space suit on right and, um, I mean, I remember the first time I watched it, I seem to remember that I thought it was pretty shocking, especially considering how they built up this, like, inhospitable planet that, like, humans cannot survive on in right. any circumstance, and all of a sudden he shows that he's got no suit on. Yeah. It's like, whoa, what's going on here, you know? Uh, I, did, so. I did think and did like that Chakotay and Seven are very skeptical, right? They're yes. Like, okay, that's great. Yes but we're going to take you back to the ship and get this sorted out. That part was good. Yeah, because I remember he's like, come on, take your helmet off. You'll feel great in right. five seconds. And it's like, what are you talking about? This is like a demon planet. Yeah, it seemed like it was evil, right? Like it seemed like it was not. And that was kind of what I was thinking was going to happen was that they were going to, the, the gray replica people were going to be evil and trying to get them to like, commit suicide in order for them to copy them or something but that doesn't really happen either hey andrew here and i just wanted to say thanks for listening to random trek review uh, if you want to get some more star trek goodness then make sure to check out the rtr blog at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com you can also find us on social media itunes by searching for random trek review Twitter for by searching at Rando Trek Review and Instagram at Random Trek Review. Or if you just want to use the old style way of emailing questions, comments, or just gripes in general, then feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Alright, so the away team then finds Ensign Kim, who is also without his spacesuit, and says he feels great. Um, now, we've seen both Paris and Kim without their spacesuits on. Um, at this point, what are you thinking? Like, how are these guys running around without spacesuits on? So, I think that... Uh, I thought they were evil versions of them, obviously. Um, we kind of didn't talk about when Kim and Paris died, like, quote-unquote. 
Um, mm. And we're, we're kind of getting up to that part where they find the other two of them. Um, and, and I feel like that part was really, that was probably the most interesting piece when they, they get holes in their suits, I guess it was. And then they, they collapse. I didn't really like the way that it was kind of handled, but I thought that it was a great idea. Um, and for some reason, I thought at this point anyway, that the gray stuff had basically resurrected the two bodies because the, oh, okay. that's, that's what I was thinking at the time. Okay. Um, now later we find that the bodies are still like, they're still there. But at, the, at this point in time, I thought that the gray stuff had resurrected them with some sort of evil intentions. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't really know what to think. I mean, I, I, it seemed very unlikely that they would have like miraculously and spontaneously adjusted to this like super harsh demon class planet atmosphere. So, um, I, I figured something was up, but I, I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't really sure exactly what it was. So, because almost immediately they go back to the sick bay, and when they go back to the sick bay, they can't breathe the actual air. That's right. Yeah, that that's sort of the next thing that the major thing that kind of happens. Um, now, is that something that you saw coming, or were you like were you surprised by that when they would, well, like, you know, they beam up and they're just like they're like, oh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. So I, I, I kind of had a lot of feelings here, but um, I feel that I kind of thought that the gray stuff had resurrected them, but then I was thinking that maybe the demon planet atmosphere is was similar to, you know, when you go like mountain climbing and it's low atmosphere. And if you were to like slowly integrate yourself as you went up the mountain, then when you get to the top, you can probably breathe relatively well because your body adapted to it whereas like if you take a gondola or something when you get to the top of the mountain you're like <gasps> like this is really hard to do so i was kind of thinking that like maybe because they were on the demon planet for so long they had adapted slightly maybe with the help of the gray stuff and then when they went back it was kind of a reverse effect where they would have the same problem with a regular atmosphere um but i was kind of between those two things right. it turns out it's neither but um, I, I do kind of like that idea. I feel like they didn't do this often enough. I remember in an episode of Next Generation, I don't remember which one, um, they had some like dignitaries come and they had special like breathing masks because they didn't breathe oxygen rich air. They breathed something different. Yep. And that's probably more realistic if space is filled with a bunch of different sentient beings they probably don't breathe all like what we like 30% oxygen, 70% yeah. nitrogen. Like it's probably that they have different things that they breathe. So I think that that's a really cool idea. And this is like another kind of instance of that, right? Like a fish out of water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that they couldn't breathe at all. And, and there, I mean, there wasn't really any indication that they had been altered that drastically, although I guess they could breathe the, the demon planet air. So I guess, yeah, I, I don't know. I was a little bit surprised by that. It is kind of a, like Neelix getting kicked out of the sick bay is basically like the metaphorical version of like kicking out the B plot as well. <laughs> like this plot's over, out, <laughs> bye, and that's like the last you hear of it. Yeah, yeah, Neelix, yeah, sort of, it was the end of that uh, little little plot point. I um, wasn't really super sad to see it go, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neelix, like right as soon as... Uh, doctor gets word that there's like a medical emergency he's like clapping his hands yeah. wake up everybody time You're to check in. out and um uh, were you like surprised that neelix was like he like turned coat pretty quickly because he was like as soon as the doctor said medical emergency he's like all right everybody we have to go it's time to leave yeah and, dude, i don't know he, he fought pretty 
pretty hard to stay there. Wouldn't you be like, oh, come on, Doctor, are you sure they, we need to leave? Yeah, I think that it was kind of convenient writing. They were. It was almost that whole side plot really felt like they had seven minutes to fill. And they were like, well, <laughs> we need something for Neelix to do. So that's what they decided on. But um, They need something for Tuvok to do at the beginning. He was hardly in this episode at all. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that the bridge, and that was that this thing with Neelix. That was about it. Yeah, that's true. And to be honest with you, even that whole Tuvok thing, like, who really cares if he brings his own blanket? Does that it really happens. take up that much space or extra time or what have you? Like, it does not matter at all. And they just kind of threw it in there for the sake of it. So, but it's illogical to not use Starfleet issues. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's got to have, like, that Star Trek Voyager insignia on the side of it. <laughs> now, so, shortly after this, there's a scene where Torres and Janeway are in, like, the science lab, and they're studying the uh, a sample of the compound that, um, I guess, Seven of Nine collected and brought back. And while they're sort of working away, Torres, like, isn't paying attention, and it, like, oozes onto her, like, finger and then mm-hmm. copies it. Um, was this where you kind of started figuring out, like, what was going on? Like, is this where it um, kind of started to come together? Yes and no, because to me, I was like, okay, that's so it copies you, right? But Paris didn't go, his whole body never went in the stuff, only his hand. And it was supposedly in a, like, enclosed space suit. So, that's the only thing. Also, like, there is some things in Star Trek that it's just like, you're not wearing gloves, like, you don't know what this stuff is, like, it's not in a containment field. It's really, if you don't know what something is, you definitely 100% should not let it get onto your skin. And like you said, it was like she was just not paying attention, which just makes it even worse. But uh, no, I started kind of piecing it together now, but I have to admit at this point of it, I am starting to, it's starting to lose me. Um, the demon plan is not really giving me enough uh, fear, enough stakes, enough, uh, like it, it's, I'm really starting to slip at this point, I'm not going to lie. Now, what do you think about this whole concept of like this like liquid life form that can copy things it can touch is like you know, I mean are you like you think that's an interesting or cool thing or is that just sort of meh? I think it's meh. I think it's okay. I think it's kind of a cool idea, right? Like that you could copy something, but there's just so many better things that you could do with it, right? Especially since the copies seem to, you know, it's like how did this stuff come about? You know, what's it doing there? What how long has it been there for? And now that has sentience because it touched somebody um i i don't know i i I hold i think this and then it starts sinking the ship as well um to to prevent it from going to copy the other people um i don't know do you think that this was intended to kind of be somewhat similar to the uh like the shapeshifters in uh, deep space nine because they lived in a big pool and they Mm -hmm. could like create any shape and stuff like, were you kind of getting that kind of feel? It was even, like, kind of red, like their planet is. Um, I mean, obviously, the Deep Space Nine is, like, a million times better than this, but... Um... <laughs> I don't know. I, I was I thought it was kind of an interesting concept. Um, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but I, I do like that it was, um, like, a more, like, a less developed life form. Like, it was sort of just, like, an instinctual thing. It wasn't okay. really sentient. I thought that was kind of an interesting idea that maybe would have been good to maybe explore a, a, a little more um but i don't know it's kind of it's kind of wishy-washy like is it has it existed all this time with this ability to like recreate anything it touches and just hasn't ever done it well it's never had the opportunity to i guess 
Because it lives on a demon planet? Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, why would it evolve that ability? I don't know. It's the same way with the, in the skin of evil, right? That monster was, was he like, he was damned to be there and he was like the embodiment of all like evil thoughts and stuff like that. Like, how does that come about either, right? Yeah. I feel like at least with that one, it was, there was a bit more substance to it. Like, these guys are just kind of like, are they going to exist or not? And I feel like the biggest piece of it, which is they copied these two guys without them really, like their will, right? Like it was kind of by accident. Now they, they, they send down another away team and they find the original Kim and Paris in their spacesuits. They're alive, but they're unconscious. I hate this. I hate this. This is so stupid. They say that the planet is completely inhospitable. And if your skin touches the air, you will be killed, melted. Your blood will boil. They rip their suits. They thing says that they have 30 seconds worth of breathable oxygen left. They try to stumble their way to the ship. They keel over face down and you literally hear it go beep like their hearts are stopped. And then they come like two days later or whatever it was. And they're all, you know what? They just have like a bit of a headache. Like, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal. (laughs) That just totally makes the demon planet seem so pointless like they, they, if they had if they'd gone without the suits at all would it have mattered well that's a good question yeah. because they didn't get they didn't die from this that is so lazy and so uh I, they could have easily written it that like the gray stuff saved them somehow like by being copied the gray new people saved them you know what i mean like out of like, thanks or something yeah like, this was so lazy and so kind of like after the fact that uh oh god i hated this like just don't even send paris and kim send two other people and you just find the dead bodies and they're oh they're dead joe and uh sandra like generic people from you know that's all they would have done on the original series well yeah they would have been wearing red shirts but the thing is is if it was joe and sandra they wouldn't have landed the ship to save them right they'd just be like oh i guess those guys didn't make it like I don't know. This part I really, really didn't like. And at this point, I'm kind of turning on the episode, to be honest with you. Like, I'm kind of going, like, they're not taking this in the direction I wanted them to go with it. And not only that, but, like, they're not even really sticking to their own rules that they established at the beginning. It's really the only way they can sort of weasel their way out of it. Because, I mean, they can't go on in the series with Paris and Ken having to, like, breathe some crazy atmosphere. So, um... I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was the best way to go about it, I didn't think, but it, I don't really see where else they could have... Else I think just don't, just don't write yourself into that hole, right? Like, what about this for an idea? They fall into the, the stuff, they go, oh no, like, the suits have holes in them, and they get back to the shuttle, and they just are, like, stuck in the shuttle or something. And they're, like, just waiting for them to come down until they can come back. That would have made more sense, yeah. Right? But remember, Kim was, like injured and Paris had to like carry him right okay well then maybe they could have like <laughs> maybe they could have fallen into the gray stuff the copies come out and then they find them in the gray stuff and they say oh they, they, that stuff also like suspends you in animation yeah that would work see like there's two ideas right there yeah there are other ways they could have probably gone it's just like they didn't think of it they just didn't think at all they were just like eh well I'm sure it'll work out maybe no one will notice well we will notice <laughs> <laughs> 20 years later, we noticed. 20 years, we got you. <laughs> yeah. The, the next sort of major part is there's this like pool of the, the 
fluid forms under the ship and that prevents it from leaving. It like sort of traps the ship. It starts to sink into the pool. And um, meanwhile, the copy of Ensign Kim explains that the fluid was alive but never experienced sentience before. Now, because there's like a pool that just spontaneously forms, I mean, that suggests to me that there's some sort of a collective consciousness within yeah. it. Yeah. Um, like, what do you think of that idea? Like, this like fluid having this weird sort of collective consciousness. Like the changelings? Well, I would say maybe like more primitive than the changelings, right? Because yeah. changelings, there's like individual beings within the... Within the pool? Yeah, whereas this one, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah, this is kind of maybe more of like a primordial ooze kind of thing where it's not necessarily been... It's, it's, again, it's a neat idea, but I have to admit, by the time they started sinking the ship, I was looking at my watch just saying, like, when's this over? Like, I think that there was just too many cooks in the kitchen on this one or something. There's too many moving pieces, and they don't really flush out any of one of the pieces really well. I mean, it was kind of an interesting other level to it. I mean, I I found this whole idea of this silver blood creature creatures or whatever you want to call them. I thought it was kind of an interesting thing, but again, I mean, I sort of agree that they didn't really, you know, develop the idea fully or very well. It was just, I, I feel like they just sort of like made it up as it went along. Yep. Yeah. Now the last thing I wanted to kind of go over is, uh, um, Janeway agrees to let them copy the crew. Now, how eager would you be to let some weird alien life form make a copy of you? So this is another thing that I don't think is done very well, because if you think about our current world and our current climate, how many religions out there don't allow you to even like donate organs and blood and like how many people in today's walk of life would, would not be down for something like this. And even though it's a couple hundred years in the future and there's so much more civilized and everything like that, you have different species, you have different cultures, different religions. There's no way that every single person would be like, yep, yeah, sure, no problem. Also, do they even do any kind of like research to see if there's any negative impact on being copied? Because you're allowing this stuff to like completely go over your whole body. So there could be like negative impacts of it. Um, I thought that this was just a really kind of a lazy tack on to the end of the episode. I thought that they, if that was the whole episode, that's a different story. And there was some of the moral dilemmas of deciding, should will I get copied or will I not get copied? That's interesting. Just deciding, oh yeah, sure, fine, no big deal. That seemed really, uh, really lazy. Well, and it seemed very out of character for Janeway. Like, was, yep. She made that decision very hastily and didn't really even think twice about it, which, I mean, yeah, they're in dire straits. Like, their ship's, like, on the verge of running out of power, but I think that that's still something you might want to think about a little bit longer than, like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, and also, like, they, they copy all these people. They leave them there. Do they need to eat? Do they, they have no infrastructure? They have no... Uh, shelter in general they have nothing they just are kind of leaving this crew of like 400 people and then they just kind of like wave out the window at them while they're all just sitting on this like awful planet to be leave that left there for all eternity like it's um yeah i don't know i did not love the the copying of people yeah it was kind of i thought it was a little hasty and i thought it was um i, I don't know how i'd feel about letting some life form just copy my dna yeah I don't know if that's a good idea at all.
All right, we normally will go through the casting characters, and this is going to be a pretty quick little bit for this uh, podcast because it really isn't. There's only one guest star, um, and that is um, Alexander Edberg, who guest stars as uh, Vork, the Vulcan engineer, who appears in uh, a number of Voyager episodes. I didn't really bother to look it up because I'm guessing there's there's at least a dozen. But uh, um, the one thing that I found interesting, and now I remember. Um, Alexander Edberg plays another Vulcan engineer in uh, one of my favorite Next Generation episodes, Lower Decks. Um, the engineer is named Torek in that episode. Now, why why do you think they would like go to the trouble of creating an entirely new character for Voyager that's ex- essentially the same, same played by the same actor? Yeah. Uh, like, why not just make him same character? And I, I've always wondered that. Uh, yeah, Torek and Vorik. Um, I, the only thing is, is does the timing work out? Because Lower Decks is what, season six? Season seven. Season seven. And Voyager doesn't start for another year after that, right? Or two years? I, I feel like it would have... I think Voyager, Voyager started right after Next Generation ended. So that would make sense. I think the timing... Yeah, I think the timing lines up. Like, he could have been transferred over to Voyager for their deep space mission. That would make perfect sense. Yeah, why didn't they do that? I wonder if, especially since they literally made the name so similar. Yeah. Vorik and Vorik, like... There's probably some practical reason, like, they, they, they couldn't use the name because they'd have right. to, like, give the writer of that other episode royalties or something. Right, every time they showed up or something, maybe that's what I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and you know, you're probably right, that is probably what it is. Now, I have a, um, a trivia question that I would categorize as rather difficult. So okay. if you don't know what it is off the bat, then maybe I'll just like give it to you. But um, Alexander Enberg has, now in addition to playing Tarek, he's credited with one other role on Star Trek. Do okay. you have any idea what it could be? Is it a, it's, uh, from Voyager? Uh, it's, from, it's actually from Next Generation. Oh, it's from Next Generation. And it's not Torek from Lower Decks. Like other, well, aside from Torek, he has one other credited. One other credited. Okay, and is he a Vulcan? No, he most uh, definitely is not a Vulcan. I have not a clue then. Okay, give it to uh, me. Th- this is a very difficult one. Um, a deep cut. Yeah, very deep cut. Um, he so in Times Arrow Part Two, there's uh, he plays a reporter. Okay. Who into like uh, works for I guess the local newspaper, and at one point in the episode, he's asking. Samuel Clemens about, um, you know, the, anyways, um, it, he's very tough to spot because he's only on the screen for like maybe, I don't know, I think there's actually, I think he's actually peer, appears on screen maybe twice, but it's very short. Okay. Um, but if you listen, like he has, a, I would say he has a pretty distinctive sounding voice. And if you know to listen for it, I think you'd probably recognize the voice more than you would recognize him. Hmm. So. Interesting. Now, he does appear in another Voyager episode, but it's like, he's not credited as a guest star because he's in it for like five seconds. I would never get it. Yeah, I never, I didn't know that either. I just looked it up before we started recording. Huh, interesting. He he was a Malon engineer that was basically sent to death. Oh, okay. Well, that one I had, that one is courtesy of uh, Memory Alpha, not my my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the chemistry between Paris and Kim. Now, you said you didn't really like that whole part of this episode. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to sort of add to that? Um, I think that the Kim-Paris relationship throughout the series is one of the best ones. 
Um, I think that there is, uh, it's a great example of like male camaraderie and there is that kind of the difference between the two of them where Paris, you know, he has all the luck with the ladies, whereas uh, Kim doesn't, uh, you know, Paris is more brash and, uh, you know, he's kind of a rebel, whereas Kim's more like play it safe. Like they are, they're kind of a bit of the odd couple. Um, I think that it's one of the better, one of the best relationships on Voyager and probably one of the best relationships in any of the Trek series, really. I just don't really love the jokiness of it in this situation. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching this episode, that was the one thing that really stood out to me was how this is, I think it really shows how far they've come because they, like you were right, you're right in saying that they're very much different people, especially at the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paris was like literally bailed out of prison to go right. on this mission and Kim is like this, you know, perfect protocol following, mm-hmm. young, upstanding ensign. And, yeah. and it, I mean, this is an episode where I think you really see how far they've, they've come and um, I mean, Voyager, there's a lot of really good, if you really think about it, there's a lot of really good relationships on Voyager. I mean, you think about like Seven and the Doctor, you think mm-hmm. about Paris and Torres, you think of Janeway and Seven and Nine. Like there's so many, like I feel like Voyager was really good at focusing, I mean, and, and it makes sense because it's such a small group and they're isolated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really, they really sort of focus on how they interact with each other, I think more than any of the other series and, and you know i would say that this whole paris uh, kim friendship is is one of the you know better uh, results of that yeah that's true actually and i feel like there are kind of some there were some like relationships that never really took off like they kind of tried to make a thing with kim and torres at the beginning remember where they were one was maquis one was starfleet and they were kind of had a prickly relationship and stuff like that but it never really fruited into anything which is probably pretty realistic to um, like working in a in, in a job, right, where there are certain people that you gravitate towards and you become close friends with, and there's other people that are like kind of just more like colleagues, and you know, you, it's not like anything against them, but you're not going to go and hang out, play racquetball in the hollow suites after work, you know. Like I think that they did a very good job of that. Um, some production notes. Um, I wanted to talk about this set uh, of, for the Demon Planet. Um, now, we did talk about this a little bit, but um, I know you've mentioned before that you love, like, the giant matte paintings. Yeah, um, I love my, I love me a matte painting. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I thought the Demon Planet set, um, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you said you weren't crazy about the Demon Planet. I mean, did you think the so? Set the set was, was okay? good. I thought that it was okay. great. Like the, it kind of had like a Marsy feel, or like um, Total Recall. Remember, like it was. It, it seemed inhospitable when they first got there, um, and they kind of had the smoke machines and that kind of stuff. I thought that the liquid thing is good. Um, I mean, this is seven years after the T one thousand and Terminator two, right? Yeah, it's basically the same thing, right? That silvery stuff so that that looked really good and then they just go right back to like the classic star trek cave set basically right i i, I wrote in my notes at least twice how much how much i like the demon set or the demon planet set like i thought mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty good i mean i i never really thought about where it would where i would rank like sets in star trek lore yeah. because i mean unless one really jumps out at you, you don't really it's just part of the story, right? But yep. I mean, if I were, I think if I were to sit down and like think about ones that really stood out to me, I feel like this one would probably be, you know, pretty close to the top of the list because I feel like it was pretty foreboding and inhospitable because, like you said, they had like sort of that reddish 
color to it, yeah. and it had the smoke machines going, and and I, I mean, I just I just thought it was uh, I thought it was really well well done. It makes it unique too that they're wearing the suits because they don't really do the suits that often. I mean, we saw the suits in Folding Web, but space is really really harsh, right? Like yep. the reality is, is going to space is very dangerous, and um, you know, traveling around in space at high speeds is even more dangerous. And so the fact that there's a plant, like there would be planets that are inhospitable makes total sense to me. And that makes it even that much better with the suits and everything else. So I thought it looked really good, yeah. Uh, and that sort of takes us into like some of the, there was quite a few like visual and special effects in this episode. Um, there was Voyager landing on the planet, which I, I don't think was stock footage. I'm pretty sure that was like new. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was the, the being, the Voyager being sort of like, sunk into the sinking into the pool of of the metallic fluid and then there's the final scene where they launch and like all the crews like on the planet standing like uh, i don't know probably waving goodbye i i I couldn't really tell but um uh, what what did you think of the visual uh, effects uh, in the episode um i thought that they were pretty good um i remember reading that the thumb was uh like a cgi thing like an early uh an early rendition of that which is kind of cool um, I thought the paintings all looked really great and kind of blended the two things together well. It was kind of during a time where that was the case. I think that the, the ship landing looked pretty good, although they kind of cheesed it with when they landed the shuttle because they only did it from inside. Um, Tom and uh, Kim are kind of talking about, oh, it's, we're going to come landing in soon, and it just like, goes, oh, we landed. And then he makes kind of a quip about it, which is kind of interesting. I thought, yeah, visually it looked really good. Um, I think that that last shot, the um, with all the crew members and stuff like that, I think I read somewhere that they had kind of like pieced that together from like uh, like stills and stuff like that from things. And like apparently, if you look closely, like there's Deep Space Nine characters and stuff that are like shouldn't be there, but they oh. are. Yeah, uh, interesting. So, uh, that's kind of a, a kind of a funny little uh, piece of trivia if you paused it and zoomed in, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, yeah, you know what? Overall, I'd say that this is pretty good. I don't think that this was one that was up for an Emmy or anything like that, but I thought that it was still pretty good. Yeah, I thought the visual effects were pretty good. Like the the final scene for me was the one that I I think will always like stick in my head because um, it really I think it really leaves you wondering like what's going to happen to these crew because mm-hmm. you actually see them yep. there as the ship's taking off and it's like like what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Yeah, and I guess like that scene where uh, Kim gets pulled out of the gray liquid. Like, I guess those suits were just insanely expensive and, like, they had to kind of do some very, like, camera trickery to, to make sure the suit actually didn't get ruined while they were, like, pulling him in and out of it. And it kind of took a lot of different like, kind of sh- angles and stuff. And, like, the actual amount of liquid was actually really small. I don't think they used any. I think they... What I read was that they had... They, like, built this, like, table and I guess they cut a hole out of it and then put uh, somehow... Through camera wizardry, they just using using just this opening in the table. They were able to, in post production, add the fluid afterwards. Okay, I, so I, it was I, I don't know. It was a very I, I read about it and it was really complicated and um, something that only the best uh, you know camera people in Hollywood would be able to. Well, to and do. that's just it, right? Because I feel like <laughs> nowadays it would just be a computer, right? They wouldn't even bother trying to make it into a real life shot, so. Props to them. I like that. And, and an interesting little piece of trivia is that the uh, the metallic fluid was actually um, silver model paint. Oh, huh. well, there you go. 
Yeah. You could paint uh, the USS Enterprise with the silver model paint. Yep. When you're done. Exactly. Yep. That, that, that's how they uh, they gave Voyager a fre- the Voyager model a fresh paint of coat. <laughs> okay. Now um, we don't always get to talk about the, an episode legacy because a lot of them are sort of uh, you know single episodes. But this one actually did have a there was a direct sequel to this episode that was um, in the at the end of the fifth season. So it would have been a a year later, it was called Course Oblivion. And um, it, interestingly, it was both episodes were directed by Anson Williams. Yeah, so I, I, I only very, very vaguely remember this one. I hope that this is actually... It would be kind of funny if this is the one that I pull out for this week's episode. That would be like uh, yeah, the thinking, longest shot ever if that were to happen. But I was, um, I was thinking about that. Like, we're going to talk about what it's about and what happens, and then I'll pull it out. And, you'll have and I'll have it, yeah. I feel like... It, <laughs> It has something to do with, like, somehow they also copied Voyager, and they have their own ship, and they meet up with them later, but they're, like, starting to decompose, like, they couldn't keep their form because of some sort of science-related thing. I think that, is it, like, there's some sort of, like, trickery, too. Like, I think that um, Bellana and Paris get married, but then it's the duplicates or something, or it's, it gets, the, the wedding reception gets ruined by the duplicate. I don't remember exactly. But um, yeah, I, that's basically the gist of it, right? Is they they thought that they would be able to be have like the sentence sentience, but it turns out that it they won't stand, they won't survive it. It's they're gonna fall apart basically. Yeah, that's that's sort of a pretty yeah very basic uh, recap of the episode. I mean, it's pretty much what happens. Um, now there was a little bit of controversy with the sequel. There was, um, I mean, ba- basically the way that they sort of framed it, it. it really undermined all the episodes that aired between them because there was like a perception amongst some people in the production staff that like anything that happened between Demon and Course Oblivion could have been like all those episodes in between could have been like was it the copy crew or was it the real crew and there's like this perception that like it wasn't really made clear Right. especially with the ending of Course Oblivion because basically at the end of Course Oblivion the real Voyager arrives answering this distress call just in time to find like everything all disintegrated so it's like oh but what so there's like some controversy surrounding that episode right because it, it kind of wasn't clear which crew was which it's kind of like year of hell where all this bad stuff happens and then you do like a full reset button and it's like yeah. well what was the point of that then really other than it was a good episode um, now we'll get into some memorable scenes or quotes. Um, is there anything in particular that you uh, liked? Uh, I like to usually pick up um, one episode, like a quote or something that I like per episode. I don't know if I have one this time. I think that the, the doctor says like this is not this is um, this is a sick bay, not a dormitory. That's kind of a funny line. Uh, what about you? I, I really like the scene in the turbo lift. I think we, I mentioned that earlier on. I thought it was a good sort of introspective on Kim's part and just like showed his how much he's changed from when he was this, you know, brash, young, upstanding ensign to, you know, a little bit more of a seasoned veteran. Yeah, that, that was one that I, I that stuck out yep. for me. Um, okay, um, why don't you give uh, your final thoughts and we'll, give, we'll each give it a rating out of uh, five pools of silver blood. Uh, yeah, so you know what? I feel like you can probably hear in my voice that I'm just not really feeling the Demon Planet. I think that it was a bit of a waste. They had such a great idea here. They had three really solid good ideas. Running out of energy, 
the silver people being copied and the more the you know the the reality of deciding whether you want to be copied or not mm-hmm. and the demon planet because this one is called demon i feel like the one that they should have went with was the demon planet and they should have upped the stakes to a really high level i even like this is dying on the demon planet is better than tasha yar getting killed by the skin and evil monster right like it's okay and that's about it um i'm gonna give it two out of five pools of blood uh, pools of silver blood oh okay i mean i thought it was like decent um like like you said i mean there were a couple of cool uh concepts that they that they put in here and i don't think they really went hit, hit home runs with those concepts um but, um, I mean, I, I really like the Paris and Kim scenes in this episode. And um, as, as unnecessary as the like whole sickbay thing was, um, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and, and as, but, I mean, the one really major criticism I would sort of have for this episode is that they, they built it up so much in the beginning, just how dangerous and awful and brutal this planet was. But you never really got that sense through the course of the episode that... The ship was like in as imperiled as it one was, and no one really seemed genuinely concerned about. Oh, we're almost out of energy, or oh, we've landed on this, you know, incredibly dangerous planet. Like yeah. it just, everyone just sort of seemed like, oh, this is just like a regular day on Voyager, you know. Yeah. And uh, I'd say that would be my pretty major, my my major criticism of it. I mean, it's uh, I think it's an okay episode, and. Um, I'll be. I'll, I'll give it three pools of silver blood out of five. I think they could have executed it a little bit better. And you did remember most of it, right? So that means something. All right, uh, we're almost uh, to the end here. We're um, at the Andrew's favorite part of the show, where we will uh, pull a new episode out of our uh, painter's cap of episodes, and then Andrew will have. One minute to uh, tell me what he can about the episode. How do you feel? How are you feeling right now? I am feeling like we have not had an Enterprise episode, a Discovery episode, or a animated series episode. So you know what? Even though I don't really know those episodes that great, I feel like we are due. All right. Well, I'm going to reach in. I'm going to dig out. An episode here. I've got one uh, for Andrew here, and oh, your your wish will not be granted. Not this week. Not this week. Um, this is a good one, and I think you will probably do very well with this. Um, so it's uh, we're back to next generation. Uh, next generation. It is uh, from season seven, episode number nineteen, and the title is Genesis. Genesis. I really hope that I get the right episode with the right situation. <laughs> well, well, we'll see how you do. Now, if you're playing along at home, uh, we, I'd suggest that you uh, hit the pause button for a moment, grab a piece of paper and a writing utensil, or maybe the notes app on your phone, and let's see if you can write down what you uh, can remember from uh, Genesis. Uh, whether it's the plot, whether it's some characters, some uh, trivia, some of the good lines, um, whatever you can think of that you might be able to uh, write down and, and see how you how you do. Andrew's uh, gathering his thoughts. All right, I have one minute on the clock. Andrew, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, one minute starting now. 
So this is an episode that we have talked about in the past as being one of the great horror episodes of The Next Generation. Um, I don't remember what the setup is, and that's the biggest part that I'm going to run into. Um, I believe it's the Doctor and Picard. They go away on an away mission or something. When they get back to the ship, um, the ship has had some sort of anomaly hit them, and it has caused the crew to devolve back to their um, original kind of... Uh, wherever they were from. So like Troy is kind of like a water-based like creature, lizard kind of thing. Barclay is like a giant spider for some reason. Um, Riker, I think, is either like a werewolf or like a, he's kind of like a crazed, um, uh, you know, maniac person. And same thing with um, Worf is they've, they've all kind of devolved and they're like, the ship has kind of like run into chaos and basically the episode is them trying to figure it all out and get everybody back to normal and it's very spooky and scary and it's lots of great uh, jump scares and stuff like that and that is one minute yeah that's that's pretty much spot on this is um yeah this is one of my favorite like horror episodes yeah. of star trek you read my uh Halloween edition of the that uh, is very true. That what? gave me a little bit of a helper, didn't it? I forgot about that because I did read that, and I that's probably the one that uh, tipped me off. So um, excellent, yeah. You know what? It's a uh, I forgot it was season seven though. Yeah, it, it was doesn't pretty. Seem like it was season seven, but yeah, it I guess pretty, it was. It was pretty later on. Yeah, it was. It was towards the end of. Uh, I mean, even towards the end of that season, episode nineteen. So yeah, it's getting near the end of the end of the line. So. Uh, it was a good one. We better go off and uh, watch that right now. I was actually thinking of just throwing it on the other day because I was, you know, sitting at home and had a little bit of spare time on my hands. But um, now I have an excuse to watch it. Indeed. All right. Well, that's it. That is the end of um, this week's uh, podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining us on Random Trek Review, and we hope you will join us next time on RTR as we take a look at some uh, de-evolved life forms in Genesis. Bye, everybody. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, <laughs> yeah. which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped and then he was just like you know a little bit of this yeah a little bit of that i was just gonna say it was the way that he also narrated it it was just perfect it was great ransom definitely went to the school of kirk foo ransom foo maybe we should be calling it loading holosuite preview program for the voyages a star trek original animated and kelvin films podcast full honesty i did find that the scene was seemingly long when they were driving with him and, and Scotty to get to the Enterprise when they were in their little capsule. I felt that that was a very long scene driving around the whole Enterprise. But find yourself someone in life that looks at you the way Kirk looked at the Enterprise. I mean, that was a beautiful moment. And I absolutely adored when Spock came back onto the Enterprise 
just how everybody on the bridge, like Yahura and Chekhov and everybody, they just kind of rallied around him. And it was a really warming moment just to see that original core group of people just celebrate him and happy to see him. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.